Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How does the offer of free beer sound to you? As a loyal listener of the show, we'd like to reward you with just that, free beer. Thanks to our friends at beer52.com, you have the opportunity to sip eight free exclusive craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to beer52.com slash city and cover just four ninety five for the postage. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothman back in the chair. And after a commanding win in the Carabao Cup, just outside Manchester, in the first leg of the semi-final, and then a magnificent, a magnificent 6-1 demolition away at Villa Park. I'm actually quite looking forward to such a very, a very positive podcast this week. And I say positive, despite having Lisa Rabinovitz back on the show, who in some quarters has a reputation for being less than positive sometimes. But you're very welcome, Lisa. Yeah, thanks so much. Uh, and two other guests who don't have a reputation at all, actually, are two Davids, actually. But we'll call one of them Dave. It's Dave Hodgson. Good evening. And it's David Blakeney. Good evening. Uh, listen, there is only one place to start... There is only one place to start this week. The magnificent, the record-breaking, the legend that is Sergio Aguero. Lisa, you've not been on for a few weeks. Here is your opportunity to wax lyrical for the next three and a half hours, if you like, whatever, about Sergio. What has not been said? What do you want to say about the genius, the legend? Over to you. I, there, is, there isn't much I, I can say that hasn't already been said, except for I. St- and you're going to say you're being negative. Um, <laughs> That's why you're here. No, I, I just I still cannot believe that it took so long for him to be included in a Premier League team of the season. And it it seems to be this thing. All of a sudden, everyone's talking about how wonderful he is. And I I think I heard someone I can't remember who it was say. It's, it's, it's unbelievable it's taken for him to break this particular record or these two particular records. And I'm like, well, yeah, why? What, what is it? And that is one thing I cannot understand. I, I can't. Is, is why, why it's, it's for a so question. long yeah. this has, you know, I mean, clearly he's been consistently performing well. This is not some sort of all of a sudden he scored 100 goals in one season. I mean, it, this has been over a long period of time. I've, 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 it's one of the questions I've got later on, so let's tackle it now. David, you think you've got a view. Yeah. So, so go on then. Why has Sergio Gra- I think, to be fair, he's been in the team of the year twice, yeah, I think, but never, ever won player of the year, despite the amazing track record he's got. But David has the answer for us all. Okay. No, da- I, I Dave, Dave's not got a clue, but David <laughs> has got an answer. So, David. Well, I think a lot of it is timing. And most seasons, Sergio has had an injury at some point. 
and it's taking him out of the spotlight at just the wrong time. And it's even like De Bruyne, he misses out sometimes just because he got an injury at the wrong time. You can be the best player for nine months and then suddenly the last two months you have an injury, you're not top of mind, you don't get voted in. And I think it's just because he's not done full seasons. But that, that makes what he's achieved all yeah, the more impressive. Yeah, but that's the reason I think he's not been player of the year, but it is certainly a reason why he should have been player of the year because he scored that many goals. The, the player of the year thing I, I've kind of given up on. Um, there seems to be little, not I wouldn't say little logic, but I, I don't think we've got much hope of a city, that happening to a City player anytime soon. But it's more the team of that I just cannot, I can't understand it. But I think if you look though, when you take all the injuries into account, that's why he's the best goal scorer per, you know, per minutes by a country mile. I want to hear from Dave. Dave, your, your thoughts. So I think, you know, there's very little to be said about, you know, that hasn't already been said about his talent. We know this is a prodigious player. This is probably the best finisher the Premier League's ever seen. He, you know, his record and just watching him play, you see how gifted he is. But if we're putting him in the very top echelon of players, the, the thing that really makes him stand out is his attitude. You know, we make the point, you know, he's got the best goals per minute ratio of the, you know, the contenders for top scorer. And he's had that with injuries, having to bounce back from injuries. He's had criticism levelled at him before that he doesn't come back quickly from injuries, but yet, despite that, he must be pretty good when he's you know, fully flying when you see that even despite these injuries, he can keep up those stats. But also, let's not forget that three years ago, we were sat here talking about, is Aguero done under Guardiola? Is Aguero going to be able, or willing even, at that stage in his career, to adapt his game to say, I'm going to be a, not just a sort of fox-in-the-box finisher who you know, the team plays around, but a contributor to the team who's prepared to drop, who's prepared to press, who's prepared to play in this slightly unorthodox way that Guardiola demands of a striker, given that in many situations Guardiola has opted not to have a striker. And you, you see, you, we all expected, you know, Aguero maybe not to do that, but Aguero turned his game around and Guardiola has been so effusive in his praise of him and so um, has used him at every possible opportunity he can and we're seeing, you know, that this is a guy who has the attitude of a winner and all the skills to be one of the best players. And he has been. Do you agree with David that it's about injuries and getting injured at the wrong time? Or do you think there's another reason, at least alluded to the fact that City players, there's some sort of conspiracy maybe, and City players don't always get in these teams? Do you have a different view maybe from, from either of them? Well, I think the point was he didn't get it in the early years. And after the early years, he didn't, everyone ceased to be surprised when he was great. You know, if you saw a game where Aguero scored twice or got you know, an 8 out of 10 in all the major papers, it wasn't a surprise to anyone. So usually the player who gets this award has either pushed beyond their previous level or has come from nowhere and surprised everyone. I love you know, Riyad Mahrez, those sort of players. And Aguero has been so consistently great and there's always been someone who's come along and surprised in some way that he's probably been overlooked for that reason. David, lots of comment over the last week since his record-breaking game about who's the best. And, and looking around the table, these two fresh-faced youngsters across us in the studio, I'm coming yeah. to you, because you would have seen Shearer at his best, you yeah. would have seen Henri at his best, you've obviously seen Aguero as well, but these youngsters probably have vague memories from their youth. Your thoughts on the slightly ludicrous question, because they're all totally different players, of course, but best striker in Premier League history? Is it just about goals per minute or minutes per goals or whatever, or is it something else? And, and do you have a view? Uh, I don't think it's 
impossible to compare those three players. They're all different and they're all the best, without a doubt. Lisa, I was being slightly kind. I know you yeah, probably you did. I'm not quite, not quite <laughs> as useful, useful as Dave. <laughs> so, so tell us, you, you obviously saw, I think you saw all three I, as well. I did see all three. And I, and I particularly remember when Arsenal used to come to Main Road and us essentially applauding Henri. I think he was substituted once. If, if it wasn't substituted, it was for something else. But I remember the whole ground like applauding him. And because you, obviously we were watching a load of rubbish at that point, but... So you really appreciated seeing players like that. But I agree with David. I just, I, I, understand, I understand that everyone wants to talk about these things. It's a great discussion. But at the same time, can we not just say all three of them were great players were and are great players? And I'm not sure why we need to make a comparison. And I'm not sure why we need to say one's better than the other. It's different. They're playing in different times of styles of football, in different teams, and it's just, you know, they they all contributed inc- immensely to English football and to people's enjoyment. And I'm sure everybody who's seen all three, or even just seen one of them, appreciates actually seeing them live. And and will it will be one of those things. Yeah, I saw. I remember watching him play live. I I I just it's a bit like trying to say which team is better over a. You know, just just accept that they're good and, and enjoy it. And sure, Dave. You know, again to sort of echo Lisa's point there, I think the um, the thing that gets missed in this debate is how sort of evolutive nature of Premier League football. So you talk about someone like Alan Shearer, who was probably the last of an old guard, and you know now when you see a player who comes along who reminds me of Shearer, you know, for example, that Harland. Uh, Alfie Harland's son who's been playing in the Champions League people talk about him as kind of a bit of a knockback to a previous era and that just shows you know how these strikers used to be so common and Shearer was the best of that type kind of a, how the old fashioned English centre forward exactly the number good, nine good, good, in, good in the air good with his feet good with his elbows you know that was kind of the, the centre, central features then Henri came along at this very weird juncture where you had you know players like Thierry Henri who were super fit quick as anything, great finisher, could play on the wing, could play up front, you know, was a lot, that little bit more versatile. That, but, you know, you, you also had, you know, your, your Martin Keowns and your Richard Dunn still in the league who were sort of slower, older school centre-halves who occasionally could get shown up by these strikers and maybe the standard of defending was slightly different, standard of fitness in the league was a little bit more mixed and these players shined a little more. Now we're in a very, very professional game where, you know, conditioning is key, Maybe the general level of playing ability is much, much higher than it was 15 years ago. And we're talking about a player who shines even in that era. So I think to that point, that that points in Aguero's favour. I wouldn't say he's maybe as versatile as Henri or as strong and able to lead a line as Shearer. But again, the the comparison is difficult to make because of the different eras. But Aguero is the defining striker of the era where football has been at its highest standard in England, and I think that deserves some credit. How do we thank, how do we pay tribute to these players? And I'm thinking of that fantastic spine we have. They're all coming to the end of their careers. We know David Silva, the amazing, the brilliant, and again, I'm going to use the word legend, because in City's recent past, him and Aguero and company, they're absolutely in that category, no question. We named a stand after Colin Bell. What are we going to do for company for Silva and for Aguero, uh, because I think they are the standout people. We can't. We've only got four. We've got stands, three of the stands. But are we really? Aguero going to... should have the end where his goal went in. Let's be honest. I think you know. I think every fan would be behind that. The end where he scored 
that goal that needs no introduction should be the Sergio Aguero stand, without doubt. Yeah, and then what do you do then for company? And because just because he didn't score a goal, but he was uh, what a magnificent role model, captain, he, leader, all those things, and, and the things he's done off the pitch. I mean, he's just a, just a role model. You know, I just love Vincent Company. He and, also and scored a goal at that end. He did. Oh, yeah. This is true. He also scored probably that goal at that end. He did. Not the same, I know, but it was the same end. It, it was, was some the same goal. End. Oh my word. Yeah. The hairs on the back of my neck are standing up just even thinking about that. So, I mean, it's, it's a great problem to have, but uh, they've got to do something in the club. But, David, you're close to the club. You rub shoulders and Abu Dhabi yes, every yeah, week. Yeah, well, yeah, you do. must have some inside knowledge on what we're going to do here. I, I, I think there's that many legends. I think there's only one who should have a stand named after him, and that's company. I don't think, because he was a captain, the leader, really, I think, in a way, Colin Bell was in his day. That... I, I think it's very hard to give a name of a stand because if you do it for Guerra, why not Silva? Why not, you know, others who are under, equally as good in their own positions? We, I think companies... We don't do statues, do we, really? No. Um, we can name we, the net after Aguero. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the goal, the net. Who knows? Sponsorship. We could have sponsorship. Who knows? <laughs> a lovely problem to have. Listen, let's talk about this win against Villa um, first, if we can. And I just want to talk about the lineup first, because the, the big news was the fact that he, he rested Sterling, uh, and he started with both Jesus and Aguero up front, which is the first time I had someone gave me the statistic. It's years, literally years, since he started with both of those playing. Your thoughts on that, Lisa, and on what you felt at the time? And clearly, it worked. Um, we could understand that Villa weren't at their best, let's say, and in free fall a little bit in the bottom three and so on. But having said that, it, it, just start with the, with the line-up first, if yeah, you Yeah, I have to say, I was, at, I was at a wedding at the time, and so looking at my phone when no one was taking any notice of me, um, and I looked at the line-up and I was like, yeah, there's another Guardiola selection. I do, but I, I've given up trying to second-guess what he's thinking, and... I just want to wait and see what happens. There's no point in me going, well, that looks a bit weird. That's not going to work, because I know that the likelihood is it will. Um, I, you see, the thing is, and I, I've said this a lot, I, I don't believe, and, and I think Dave was alluding to it before when he was talking about um, Aguero adapting his style to be in this team that doesn't have necessarily an out-and-out striker. It's not so much, it's just bodies on the pitch. It's not, I mean, obviously some, like goalkeeper, it will be in goal. But the rest of it, it's, it's certainly up front. It's, it's just, it's about just the, the, the movement, the fluidity of it, the, change, the changing of positions. I, and, and, you, and I know where some of them still, like Mares, I still think is very much likes to, to be in in that one position he favours, but he'll get to the point. Then he started moving him a bit more. You know, it's obviously he had last season where he was getting used to the style. Now he's definitely picked up on that, and and I just think it's all the, the interchangeable interchangeability, if that's a word. Um, so I don't look at that and think, oh, you know, well, who is playing Jesus and Aguero? Oh my goodness, because I'm not thinking of it as oh, that's two strikers. I'm just thinking that. Well, they're the ones he's put on the pitch to score the goals. You got excited and, when you saw that lineup, Dave? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't. I think I was surprised it taken this long because we've had a bit of a sort of forced tactical innovation this season with Sane being injured. That that's our one out and out wide man who isn't going to look to go inside. I mean, Sterling's game now very much is about cutting in, 
from left. You've got the same thing with Mares, which has really always been his game. And also Jesus in, in recent weeks. You, know, some of, you think some of the better goals he's scored have been cutting in from the left and putting it, into the far, putting it in at the far post, curling it past the keeper on his, on his right. And he's looked very good at, at doing so. And he's you know, kind of quite confident with that style that Guardiola likes. Of The ball comes in from one side, maybe from De Bruyne, and you've got someone coming in at the far post to deal with the shot. I think that's quite a good... Um, model that's been very successful for us this season and sure enough Jesus got a goal exactly on that template so I think it's something that they can try and do because you know Guardiola's not going to have two men you know standing by the box in the in the old sort of crouch to foe fashion you're going to have you know more of a there's going to be more fluidity in that and Jesus has always been one of the probably one of the stronger apostles of Guardiola and his style of play and that's got him a lot of game time in turn and I think he's a player who can fit quite fluidly in that um, in, in that sort of setup. I mean that striking so that front line we've mentioned a few of them already. I mean Jesus has has his critics but his kind of goals to minutes ratio is pretty useful. Yeah, but, uh, Mares yeah. is starting to yeah. tick a bit and looks much more threatening and scoring goals and so on and uh, we've already talked about Aguero. So it's yeah. uh, we're starting to play and have that front line that's really starting to ex- well, excite me. I think it's interesting in the cup, we didn't play any strikers, and in the league, we played two. Guardiola is now able to mix it up because I think the players now are that good and know each other that well. They can adapt massively now because they are that good, and I think he's got them at that point. He can put Plan B and Plan C in. It works. What I did love, by the way, is I don't know. I have mentioned this before, but there was a point in the game against Villa when. Mahrez had two players who were literally on their own and would have scored. And one was Aguero, and he took it on his own. And Aguero was looking at him with daggers. And at half-time, they were having a conversation. And I think, and at the end, when Aguero got um, interviewed, he alluded to the fact, when they were together, you still don't pass enough to me. Because I think it's very interesting... He gets so annoyed, Aguero, if you don't pass to him. And that's the thing. There's still a lot more we can do. If we start passing it a bit more occasionally in that type of situation, we'll be even better. But very interesting to see the demand of Aguero. I think, I think the thing with Mares is that whilst I think he has got better in terms of much better, and I said this all last season, he'll be fine, he'll be fine, he'll, he'll get there, and I was right. Um, but I still think a moment, in certain moments, he's very much like, I can do this because this is what I do. And he, and, and he doesn't think, but the better option here is to pass it. Yeah. So I still think there are moments like that in him. And eventually that will work its way out of his system. I'll tell you what, so. that will be a lot better because that will be... Once he learns to pass, it'll be a big difference. Yeah, well, he, just, he, he needs to learn the difference yeah. between those times when he really will score and when the chances yeah. are it's better yeah. to pass it. And I, I think it's just that evolution of him as a Guardiola player. I mean, I have to disagree on this, that I think it's a weird criticism to put of City that we're not, we don't pass enough. I mean, <laughs> in many ways, that was the exact reason we, we purchased Mares was that Mares is a player who was going to come in, be more direct, give a bit more running. And that's really what he's brought to the table. He's been far more prepared to take players on. I was certainly more critical of him last season, and I think he's done quite well at maybe getting out of the mindset of being the superstar of a two-bit you know, club that had had unexpected success. 
And he's come into City and started to realise that. And his statistics are very good. I think it was last week I was reading that he's been involved in 41 goals since he's joined Manchester City, either goals or assists. And he's done a lot of that off the bench. He's done a lot of that in coming in this different role. I think that's the thing he adds most, that he can, he can run at the players a bit more. Surely there are some occasions where you kind of have to realise Aguero probably knows what he's talking about if he wants the ball, but I think that's a key part of Mara's game that he adds, that sometimes he's the one guy who's prepared to actually run at a defence. Can, can I just debate one thing? Passing the ball is one thing, but passing at the right th- time is the other. And the reason this season we're not where we should be is we're not passing at the right time and I think quite a few games it's been very frustrating because they've just not done that vital pass they just haven't cut it through that's why we're not scoring the way we were near the beginning of the season I think we've lost on that I think there's some truth to that I mean I'd say you know the the defensive situation is again that maybe the criticality of getting those passes right is higher because we can't rely on ourselves to defend you can't have 80% possession and only score one goal in a game it shows you're not doing it right I think, I mean, we're, yeah. we're the, um, aren't we the only team in the top five leagues to have scored, in, scored 60 goals so far this season? I think, it's you know, not we, the we right getting, time. But 14 think, of those have come in two matches. Yeah. That it's is true. Not, it's not that the right true. time. That's I, think, I, think a lo- I think there's some value to the way he plays, and I wouldn't want him to be purely looking to whip the ball in on each occasion because that uncertainty yeah. adds a lot. There are occasions where he's done that, but he is also getting a lot of assists as well, so I think too much criticism there is, is harsh. There was a moment in the game that we haven't talked about that I just want to, for a moment, dwell on and talk about. Because it's one of those moments that, as a football fan, you pay your money and you go and watch football for moments like this, for, to watch a player like this. And you probably know what I'm going to talk yeah. about. And yeah. the, the pinpoint yeah. pass from Kevin De Bruyne yeah. was just magnificent. And, and, I, and I, you know, I, I get very emotional about stuff. And it might sound stupid, but it's, it's passes like that from a player wearing a sky blue shirt who just looked up very, very briefly and put it absolutely in the perfect position. And, of course, Jesus gets all the credit because he was on the end of it and he still had work to do. But it's moments like that that make going to football and supporting this team just very, very special. And I think we are watching a very, very special player when you you see passes like that. And and it's stupid, isn't it? A grown man stood here talking about a pass like that and getting emotional about it. But I do. I genuinely do. Uh, well, I'll say one thing. I have heard a number of times on the tube lately people talking about Kevin De Bruyne. I think he's the best player in the world at the moment. On, on current form, he's got to be the best player in the world because everyone is absolutely in awe of his performances in the last sort of month or so. If he carries on like this, he's got a chance to be player of the year. No, he hasn't. Why? <laughs> He'll get injured? Marley or will get it. Well, I'm not sure. Or Robertson. It won't no, be Kevin. But um, I think, well, I, I still believe a lot. Most people I talk to think he's probably the best player in the world on form. We're going to come back to De Bruyne. Do you think there is a genuine conspiracy then I, against it? What is, I'm what not is sure it? I'd go as far as to say it's a conspiracy. So what is it? Then? There is there's some. I don't know, but there is definitely something. I mean, someone explained to me how Jordan Henderson was voted England's Player of the Year. Because he captained the side that won the European oh, Cup. Do me a favour, <laughs> honestly. I mean, I, the thing, is, the weird thing is, I, ju- I don't really care about these things. Other than, I think it probably does matter to the players. You know, I'm not really bothered. I know I sound like I am, but I just, I just don't understand. Someone give me a genuine explanation. Just giving, just giving you one. No, it's ridiculous. But that's just. I mean, Stefan Savage won the Premier League. It doesn't mean that he's <laughs> a keeper. He's the captain, yes, but he's. 
one of the weaker players in that team. And Raheem Sterling <laughs> has become a world-class footballer in yeah. the last year. His statistics are unrivaled. I mean... I mean, recent weeks aside, and that has nothing to do yeah. with this, that award, Sterling has just been... I, just, I cannot even think how anyone would have come close to Sterling. The fact that Sterling came second and then third was Kane, don't get me started on that. I, I just... It, and this is why I, I, I can't answer you if it's a conspiracy, if it's something that makes it sound terribly sinister. I'm not sure it's anything like that, but... It's, it, it is odd. There's a lot of odd things that go on. And it seems to always be a City player versus a, a Liverpool player at the moment, which makes sense because they're the two best teams in the league. But, yeah, I, it's Dave, strange. conspiracy, or do you have a different view? There's a layer of adoration that the media seem to apply to anyone, anything to do with Liverpool, which suggests they've never met a Liverpool fan, which I find exceptionally difficult to stomach. And it does seem to be, you know, particularly you get this, we've had years of, oh, Manchester City are the uh, dominating English football, it's, it's terrible, it's terrible. And then you've got all these articles, oh, are Liverpool going to be the next team who, you know, in, you know capture our hearts and take out, and, you know, have this new, era, this new era of supreme ability. But the whole w- way the narrative is spun is exceptionally weighted towards Liverpool. Maybe the problem is that the expectation from City is to be at that level. But it was. Ne- I think the point Dave's making is that when we were doing what they're doing and like completely dominating the league, it was, it was put across by the media as a terribly negative thing for, for yeah. football. But it the was, way it's it was being, boring. The, the yeah. way it's being put forward now is like how wonderful it is, and I think it, it might. You, you could compare it to other things that are reported in the news in different ways, um, but. Yeah. I, I think there are there are Although, there are clear biases. Yeah. Well, and, they are, but just a minute. But it's playing to the crowd. They've lost one game in thirty-five. Yeah, and look, you know what? That is quite a I th- feat. I think one of the things that makes it very hard to to kind of accept that obviously we have to accept it is real. Is what Dave was saying is the yeah. obnoxiousness <laughs> of the fans. Yeah. But they probably think the same of us. Uh, yeah. Plus, the I think what what really really gets to me is the media are so just seem to so want them to succeed the way they've always seemed to want to see us fail or drop something or, you know... Because they or, want it to know, be competitive and suddenly well, it's got Yeah, it, we want it to be competitive well, when we're the ones in front, yeah. but it's OK for Liverpool to I've just remembered something. I've just remembered this was going to be the positive show, wasn't it, of course? And you were talking about <laughs> Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah. And so we need to get back to Kevin De Bruyne. Yes. That's not yeah. my fault. It's not. You're quite right. <laughs> you, you just said something that sparked... Yeah. And I gave you the opportunity, Lisa, and, but, but thank you for your forthrightness... No, what's the expression? Fourth. Anyway, whatever. That, what is it? That what which I just did. Yeah, exactly all yeah. that yeah. stuff. Yeah. David Ke- no, Kevin, Kevin De Bruyne, that well, pass, I player mean, of the, pl- the best yeah, player on I the mean, planet, I mean, and all that stuff. There's no doubt he's a modern day Colin Bell. Uh, we did should, talk- have a ne- should have a stand named after him then. Well, <laughs> yeah. Build but, another stand. There's no doubt he is. I I think to watch him, it's so graceful. So brilliant, and I think there's no word you can't. I don't know what else to say about him. He's just to watch one of the most enjoyable people I've ever watched play football. The grace, the way he plays football, those and he's such a off the field. You never hear of him ever becoming. He, you just never hear of him, do you? Because he's just so again professional. Dave, your your thoughts, views on on Kevin De Bruyne? He's got this pass that he does that I just can't see how you defend it 
And, you know, particularly in this area where you've got so much zonal marking, you know, let's say he's, you know, playing as one of a midfield three, he tends to drift out into the channels a little bit. So he's kind of occupying the fullback, who, let's not forget, has also got a winger they're tracking. They come to him. He doesn't need much space to get this ball off. He usually manages to put it not between the centre-backs, but he'll, like, sort of... He'll almost sort of go round one of them. So they either go to the striker who's running through the middle or try and pick up a runner. If they come too close to it, they're not getting there. If they go to the defender, there's every ch- if they go to the striker, there's every chance the striker's passed them by that point. It's so difficult to try and cut out. You know, if you try and get a toe on it, you've probably, got the, you've probably just uh, slowed it down for the striker to run through and get it. It's so difficult to cut out that ball or to deal with the players running on to deal with it. So yeah. he's managed to create something that no one really has had an yeah. answer to him but, trying to do. But I found mine saying, was he not player of the year in Germany at the time Germany were the best team in the world? I think he might have been roundabout. But the fact is, he was player of the year for Germany. He got the most assists in Germany. He was a genius in Germany. So this isn't just someone who just suddenly got brilliant for before, us. Before that, he was a Chelsea reject, of course, as well. well that's bad money. I, I could it? never and understand why they let him go. Um, and Robbie Savage, Robbie Savage famously said, he's not a pair you pay to see play. <laughs> Oh, that was his that's line. That's all you need to know. Then. That was his line when we signed him, and it was a criticism of the sort of exorbitant transfer fees we see in the modern day, that he was not a player you would pay to see play. Well, Robbie listens every week, I know, so let us know, Robbie, what you think. <laughs> we're, on, we're on Twitter, as you know, at City Podcast. We'd love to hear from you uh, on your comment about Kevin De Bruyne. Hello and welcome to Seeing Red, a true crime podcast brought to you by me, Mark and my co-host Bethan. Each week we take a deep dive into the dark world of true crime. Cases have ranged from the murder of Christina Abbott, a high-class escort who was killed by a sadistic client, to the Peru 2, a pair of young women convicted of smuggling drugs in South America. Whilst always respectful to the victims of these crimes, we do like to tell each story in our own unique style, with humour and lots of f***ing swearing. Join us every Wednesday for a new episode of Seeing Red, a true crime podcast, wherever you get yours. One, before we move on from the, the game at Villa, no clean sheet. Um, so 6-0... 6-1, does it really matter? But people seem to sort of no. pick up on this fact that, you know, no clean sheet, Gundogan coming on and, and maybe not quite up to, up to speed and a trip in the box. And Is it important or, or actually when you win six, it's not that important? It's annoying and I'm absolutely certain Guardiola would have been annoyed by it. But important in the grand scheme of things, well, it might not help Edison get his golden glove or whatever, but, you know, I... I I, I can see how it's the kind of thing that Guardiola will pick up on because that's who he is, and quite rightly so. But uh, should we be getting um, caught, caught up in it? No, I really, no. You know, not when um, it's six. I mean, yes, if it had been two one and that you know happened, what? yes. I don't understand how players at that level are sometimes so stupid. Why do you give that type of foul away? What's the point? You don't need to give it away. Why? And how often do you see such stupidity? You go, you know the rules of the game, you bring him down, you clip him, penalty, why? Just leave him. I mean, you know, I know we're trying to do the positive show, but the, the, two games we've, the last two games we've had, we have conceded stupid goals. I mean, 
I know when Claudio Bravo's in goal, it's de rigueur, and the fact he's stepped aside to let the striker through is kind of, you know, that's <laughs> business as usual. But when you, you know, these sort of things, we just have these little isolated moments of, you know, it's. And it might but, catch but, up on But it's, fi- it's fine it when you're scoring six. Mm. Yeah. And, yeah. But I think that, you know, if, if you really want to talk about what the problem is with those conceding goals like that, it's in the games, as David was talking about before, where we haven't got. Yep. ourselves in the position where we're scoring the number we probably should be doing based on the possession we've had and then it becomes a problem talking about bollockings and people not being happy it's reported that pep was furious that we came in at half time against stretford in the carabao league cup dave only three up mm. um and you saw the domination you just saw the golfing class between the two sides which was magnificent to watch of course um, but you can understand as also why Pet was furious that we had just put it the tie to bed. Now again, giving another late goal away. It's kind of three-one. Is not you know, just give, leaves the door open slightly for them. Um, so your, your thoughts? Just I know it's a while ago now, but we haven't spoken about it on the podcast. So it's an opportunity to pick the bones a little bit about that game as well. I mean, another reason why Raheem Sterling should be honoured more is he's so merciful and he really decides to bestow his charity upon the suffering. And, you know, in that first half, he had arguably one of the worst halves of football I've seen from him, certainly in the last couple of seasons. And again, of course, it doesn't really matter because we, we were in such a commanding position, but... I do wonder whether that was part of him not being not playing this weekend. Um, we were imperious. We were all over them. And, of course, you know, any, any right-thinking City fan will be baying for blood and wanting to see, you know, every possible chance go in and really rack up a cricket score. But, and I can see why Pep was frustrated. I personally was more dispirited by the fact that in the second half we stepped off the gas a bit. In the first half, you know, if we're not scoring the chances but we're creating them and we're you know, starving them of any oxygen. I'm fine with that. It's, where, it's the way in the second half we sort of stepped off a bit. And if, if I was Pep, that would be the bit I'd be more concerned about. Yeah, both. I, I, I agree. Um, both of those things, though, contributed to the fact, I say only 3-1, but it's true, it does kind of leave that slight concern over the, the second leg. Like it's not over. Um, had Sterling been awake, I'm not sure. Was he in a trance? I really don't know. Um, then it probably would have been over at half time. It probably would have been five nil, maybe even more. And 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 so that obviously contributed to it. But then, yeah, I think the the probably the bigger thing was that we just we just <coughs> took our foot off. And I I'm not sure why because if we'd have carried on, even for the half, first half of the second half, we probably would have got a couple more, and then it would be over, still be over. So the two things contributed to the fact that it, it's, it's not, um, the, the second yeah. leg isn't well, essentially academic. It's not over and done with yet, David. Well, we won two out of six at home. That's not a great record against them. I do think Rashford's playing well at the moment. Just takes an early goal for United, and there's a bit of nerves there. So, Pep, first of all, can't play probably the team he wants to now. He's going to have to play a stronger team. It doesn't give him any, let him play some of the younger ones, and yeah, they're going to have to work hard. I mean, we've given two goal leads away before in critical time. So, you know, it's half time, as they say, and it's it's not ideal. I think the, the only thing that um, makes me slightly less concerned is that the away, there's no away goals issue. Yeah, so yeah. they can score as many as they want as long as we score more. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think we've, we've given ourselves... And we've made it harder than it should be, given the performance that we put in in that first half. All right, before we look forward to the weekend and uh, Crystal Palace, 
uh, will be entertained at the Etihad. I just want to talk about January transfer window. We're still in January. Um, two questions, really, David. Uh, one is some rumours, some reports of John Stones maybe joining Mikel Arteta down at Arsenal. Um, and kind of on the back of that, your thoughts on where City might be spending money or just keeping our powder dry, hope Laporte comes back fit and well, Sane comes back, we'll have enough, see it through to the end of the season and then really have a big clear out and a big spend in the summer. Where, where, where do you sit on those two issues? Well, I can't see them really buying anyone and I can't see them letting Stones go because I think we need Stones and, you know, Stones hasn't been great but he's not had game time and I, I don't think we're going to change anything. I mean, you know, Stones... He's starting to play a bit better in the last couple of games, and I think I, there's no way, there's, there's no point in buying a sense off at this point. Now, once Laporte comes back, I think he's just got to go with what he's got I, I, because you're not going to get the best sense of halves in the world, are you? There's no smoke without fire. There's obviously reports of this, uh, Dave. So th- there must be some conversations going on. You got any insights, any thoughts on the Stone story? I don't think it's likely. To be honest, it'd be something I might be. I would say might not be the worst idea in summer. Um, just to give him a loan to get him that season of experience that he probably needs. Cause he's not when he's played for us, it's been a bit patchy. You know, maybe he needs that longer run of form, but he hasn't always completely justified that place. I'd say on the defensive point in this window, there's no need to rush out and get anyone. But if someone comes up and there's a release fee clause or something on the table, as has been mooted with this um, centre back at Bilbao. Um, that's been mentioned this week, whose name I can't remember. Um, Nor can I. Me and he, um, you know, that might work. But, you know, I think Ottomendi will probably go in the summer. Stones might go out on loan, possibly not. You know, we, we all are think, crossing our fingers that Fernandinho can keep up his current level of performance, but we've got to remember he turns 35 in May. There's quite a lot there that we need to think about, you know, bringing someone in who can partner Laporte longer term. Yeah. And if the right player comes up at the right price now... Remember, Laporte was a January transfer. It's not that this market is devoid of all opportunities. It's just finding the right one at the right time. But unless we find that one, and it's someone senior enough to come in who can give us that sort of experience, I don't think there's any reason to let John Stones go. So nobody leaving, nobody coming then in in January is the the consensus. Would you agree with that, Lisa? Is that your view as well? Yeah, I can't see that they would let Stones go now. I mean, it would just be ridiculous. It's agent talk, I reckon. Yeah, but I I think it's a possibility. And I think, obviously, the fact that Arteta's now at Arsenal makes these stories more likely to to appear. But I, I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility because if we do get someone else in, like this one that none of us can remember the name of, um, then, uh, and and we think that Garcia is going to start having more opportunities in the team, then then maybe maybe there is a possibility that Stones would go go at the end of the season on loan. Um, but right now, I mean, that's just, it, it, look, it was bad enough that we didn't get a replacement for company at the end of the year. To let Stones go now would just be, ins- I think, would just be crazy. Sure. But I mean, unless he's really, really unhappy, then that's a different thing entirely. But I, I think it's unlikely. And I, it, the, the other thing is, of course, we have to remember with talking about Stones going is he's a homegrown player. So that's a huge consideration in all of mm-hmm. this. We don't have many of them. Um, so I, I, and for that, that's another reason why I don't think it's something that's likely to happen overnight. Um, it's there's going to be planning around things like that. So. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, so there's only one game to talk about uh, ahead of our next show, uh, which, as I touched on, is the 
home game at the weekend against the mighty, the mighty Crystal Palace, who are languishing mid-table. Um, didn't any, seem any, to stop them last time, did they? Well, was it last time? It I, was I Mr. Townsend, I yeah. think. And, and that was, I mean, you talk about company's goal, very similar goal, I think the same end as well, I think, wasn't it, as well? It so uh, maybe we should call it the Townsend stand, maybe, as well. <laughs> what a possibly. great idea. <laughs> that would go down well. Uh, it was a cracking goal, and uh, they, they, they covered themselves in glory and got the result they wanted, and uh, we're hoping not for a repeat, but I guess it will give them some confidence coming into the game to think they were able to snuff us out last time. The key to us winning this game is to not just turn up thinking we'll win it. Because I think that's also been a downfall of ours this season in certain circumstances. And partly I put that down to not having good enough leadership. That's back to my company point. But, you know, yes, of course we should beat them. But we should probably have beaten a lot of the teams we haven't. So I I really think just going with the right attitude... You know, everyone is going to want to beat us. Everyone raises their game against us. It's still true. Um, And just don't do anything stupid. And we must be brimming with confidence. I forget what the statistic is. It's something like nine wins out of ten, or is it ten out of eleven or something in all competitions. We are having a good run of form. For that, there's no doubt. So you'd like to think that if we're going into this game brimming full of confidence, they're kind of nothing really to play for. Yeah, they'd like to get a scalp again like last year, but, but we've got to be confident to win this one, surely. I mean, you'd think, but... And I, I, I don't get me wrong, I think we will, and I think we should beat them. But... What Roy Hodgson's done so cleverly there is he's managed to shift any form of limelight away from that team. He's got he's actually been there quite a while now, so he's got stability. He's got everything kind of working. Well. I think he's one of the better run clubs in the league who've managed to hold on to some of their key, more talented players. They can always spring a little bit of a shock. So they're never a game I look at and think you know that's three points in maybe the way we did when we saw Aston Villa away. You know, as a team who probably wouldn't pose as problems. We're a better team than Palace, but Palace are set up to cause teams problems, and often they do. David, your your thoughts before we um, depart? I, I think they were quite poor when we played them away. We, we dominated that game. Zahar wasn't so good. Um, I do think this is one game we should win. I think, you know, sometimes we get caught out, and the opposition sometimes, a couple of times last year as well, Scores, they always seem to score great goals against us. Never see that against Liverpool, but always see that against us. And if you look at quite a few of the games we've lost, they've just got like Leicester as well. They scored wonder goals against us last season. Um, so I'm, I'm a bit more confident this year. Um, I think we're playing well. Well, well, looking back on this, this has not been quite as positive as I thought it was going to be, actually. I'm sure that's Lisa's fault. It's anyway, all my influence, It's got to be. It, can't be. it can't be my two other guests, and huge thanks to them, to David that's Blakeney. A pleasure. And to Dave Hodgson. And I suppose I should want to thank Lisa Rabinovitz as well. This is Nigel Rothband saying thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all very soon. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Social Podcast Network. Mother's Day is just around the corner, and it's time to pamper the special mom in your life. And what better way than with the Osea's limited edition skincare sets, featuring clean, vegan, cruelty-free products that are safe for your skin and the planet. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been making seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. This Mother's Day, Osea has two limited edition sets that are perfect for gifting or keeping for yourself. 
Their advanced eye care duo brightens, awakens, and firms the skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths the skin all over. Both sets are packaged in giftable boxes. They're so beautiful you can skip the wrapping. And the best part? For a limited time, you can save up to $46 on Osea's sets. Plus, get free shipping. That's Mother's Day made easy. This Mother's Day, get 10% off your first order site-wide with code MOM at OseaMalibu.com. Go to OseaMalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off site-wide.